0: It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a blessed weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. This morning, we're celebrating women in ministry. For more information on our guests, follow us on social media, Facebook at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on air or podcasts are available anywhere you get your podcast. Just subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. We're joined this morning by a panel of three very dynamic women all serving in ministry. Here's more about these women of God in their very own words.
1: I'm Vivian Bechtold. I'm from Crossroads Church. Actually, I was co-founder for the church, so that's 25 years ago, but I've been on staff for the last five And prior to that, I spent 27 years working for Procter & Gamble. Fun fact is I'm a
2: first-generation Chinese born in the U.S. I'm Sister Dorothy Schutte. I'm a Benedictine sister, and I entered the convent right out of high school. So I've been around in the monastery over 65 years. My whole life is sort of a ministry. I guess one unique thing about me is that I have been recognized by the Department of Corrections in Kentucky as a friend of Corrections. All right. Well, I'm Jen Lucas, and I am a part of Church of the Savior
3: in Montgomery, Ohio. I am the senior pastor there. Uh, Fun fact about me, well, I have a Master's of Divinity and went through seminary, but I got straight A's except for pastoral care, where I got a B in pastoral care. So I don't know what that says about me, but, you know, (laughs) there you go.
0: It's the Sunday Morning Magazine Women in Ministry special with your host, Rodney Lear. Welcome to the show this morning, ladies. How are you? We're
3: great. Good Good to be here.
0: All right. Now, let's talk about the call to ministry. Let's start at the beginning, I'm assuming. Is the beginning for everyone when you get that call to the ministry. What was that like and how did you know? We often hear people say, I was called into the ministry. What was that like and when did you know?
2: Sister sister. I was a really young person. My grandmother and grandfather had been hit by a car, and I spent a lot of time at the hospital and saw the sisters there. And I knew that I wanted to be a, a sister around that time. I was 12 years old. But the call doesn't stop there. You know, you have to choose it and choose it and respond And stumble and say, no, God, not me, not (laughs) now, and go away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, But, you know, eventually, you know, I'm 79 and I'm still responding in a way that's positive. To the
0: call all right i love yeah. it thank you sister i'm um, pastor lucas that's
2: true. yeah i like how you say that it, the
3: call never goes away and it just keep you just keep having to respond to it i was born and raised in the church my parents were a part of the church staff in various ways so i've always kind of been in the church but when i went away to college between my sophomore and junior year I spent a summer with the Continental Singers. It was a choral group that kind of traveled across the United States and abroad. Wow. And And that three months, we were in this little bubble, um, Christian bubble, like I like to t- describe it. But it was daily prayer and study and song and in that season – God just really became very clear to me. It's time for you to come home. You need to make a shift. I have something for you. I didn't know exactly what that was. And I was actually trying to say, no, no, not me, or I'll do something in the church, but then have this other career. And then from that, just saying yes and coming home, I transferred back uh, to Toledo with my and moved back home. And God just kind of started opening up doors for me. And I just knew that it was pastoral ministry and kind of just graduated from college and went on to seminary.
0: All right. Vivi.
3: Yeah. So my story is maybe a little different. I was working for Procter &
1: Gamble in the business world and felt called with my husband and another couple to start a church for people who had – um, given up on church but not given up on God. And so that was the idea behind Crossroads. So about 27 years was when we started on that journey. And then when the church started, I became, you know, part of the background in it because we had a senior pastor and staff people and had some different opportunities to come on staff. But it was really five years ago when I felt called to come on leading spiritual growth and our reach out ministries, which is really close to my heart, the underserved. And then because of my background at PNG, also doing the marketing and doing the research that came along with that.
0: Okay, good, good. Now, Sister talked about the family history. Pastor, you talked about the family component as well. Sure. Um, For you, um, Vivian, how did that come to you? Did your family, did you grow up in a family where Christianity was very prominent, something that you guys practiced what was that like for you?
1: Yeah, so I did. I grew up in going to church, but my mom became a Christian uh, through missionaries in the Philippines, and wow. my father became a Christian on college campus. And so because of that grounding uh, going forward, when I came out of college, I felt called to actually doing something with my
3: faith.
0: Now, Vivian, as you just mentioned, you are the co-founder of Crossroads Church. Looking back at the beginning, the inception of the church, did you envision how rapid the church would, this particular church would grow and how the global <laughs> impact that the church would have? Did you see that 27 years ago?
1: Honestly, no. I mean, this is a God-sized vision in terms of what happened. At the time we started, we just wanted a church where we could invite our friends to who didn't know anything about church and would feel comfortable there. And we thought... If the church was 500 people or maybe grew to 1,000, that would be huge. And that if we were you know, in the Hyde Park area reaching young professionals. And so the fact that we would have 10 sites today in four cities and be doing global missions work in countries like India and South Africa and Nicaragua never crossed our minds when we were starting out.
0: And so as you look at it today, what does it feel like for you to know that you were on the ground floor of all of this?
1: it's super, super exciting. But the the visual that I use, as I said, it's like God was driving a train and he gave us the opportunity to jump on board and just said, don't slow me down. Okay. And so at the end of it, it's been a blessing to be able to be part of it.
0: All right. That's good. Now, Pastor Lucas, now you are you pastor a congregation of over 650 people what is that like? And what are some of the challenges of pastoring a church of that size? Because you sure. have to know everyone's name, right? That's a requirement, right? <laughs> well,
3: I, I do not. And I try. And then 650 members on our membership roles, but in attendance, you know, well, <laughs> COVID, uh-huh. everything has shifted. Yeah. Um, no, I do not know everybody's names, but I work really, really hard to know uh, names and families and history. And, um, but Uh, in the united Methodist church we're moved around so i've only been at this location since 2014 so church of the savior is a multi-generational church Um, so i have founding members our church is over 60 years old and so there's people that started that church so there's grandparents and parents and then now there's grandchildren and so it's really kind of cool to have three four generations as a part of this congregation which is really awesome
0: all right. There you go. Um, Sister Dorothy, you've been in the ministry for decades. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the Catholic Church from the time you began up until now?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, it's really a, a long period of time here. I entered around the same time as the Second Vatican Council. So there was a lot of renewal at the church at that time. And that was a time when the the structures within the church, the communities of religious women and men, were asked to take a look at their founders and to get back to the basic issues and the and the church so some of the the changes that happened were really in the um, Incidentals and not in the substance, and not in the and the the real doctrinal pieces or things like that. But we hoped. I mean, I hope that the church had become more accessible to people. And at Mother of God Church in Covington, I was drawn to that. I knocked on the door for a couple of years to uh, <laughs> to get hired there uh, to work in ministry because it was the downtown church. It was the one closest to the poor people on the Ohio River, Licking River yeah. here. And it was the beautiful old church that the people of God need beauty as well as enrichment for their soul. And that was an extremely important part. We had a f- fantastic ministry uh, with music, mm-hmm. and so many, many people were attracted to to be coming there. And it became a family uh, affair. Also, we had about five uh, five hundred families that mm-hmm. were coming mm-hmm. from all different areas. They might drive past five other Catholic churches, churches to, to come there. down to Mother of God. <laughs> But it was just marvelous. The uh, Mother of God Church started so many social service projects, but they Mm -hmm. always involved other churches in the area Mm
0: -hmm. and then
2: separated those off. So it was really quite um, a wonderful operation there.
0: So let me ask you this now. When we think of nuns, we think of the habit. And you're not wearing a habit, and I'm just wondering, is that because you've, you've retired from the church, or is that something that's not part of the doctrine anymore? I just want to get your thoughts or it was, insight. It,
2: yeah, it was never part of the doctrine. You know, when I talked about the renewal of the church. It's like, they took a look at that, and they said, well, back in, the founder of my orders was in the 6th century. Back in the 6th century, Jeez. you'd you pretty much had a habit, everybody wore the same thing, you know, You look at the movies. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, right, see, right, right. you know, everybody wore a tunic sort of thing, and that's what they did. It wasn't the, the religious habit that signified a woman was the dress of the widow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the per- person yeah, was indicated as yeah. not being available, and that mm-hmm. only came about in the Middle Ages. Yeah. And so it was really yeah. a, a new phenomenon. And so when we did you know no longer wore the habit for me? It meant people don't know me as a religious woman, they don't give me respect, or you know, that I don't want to be on a pedestal. I you know that's mm-hmm. really uncomfortable place to be. I mean, yes, the other pastors mm-hmm. can attend. Yeah, yeah, like, don't put
3: me up there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, no, right. So it's like that was part of the reason yeah. that I wanted I wanted people to recognize the fact that I was a struggling person, a Christian, a sinner, like everybody else, and who who's was called to do this work for God.
0: And in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're talking to women in ministry. For more information on our guests, more information about women in ministry, all you have to do is head to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Like us and follow us there. You can listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app like Podcast One or Spotify or anywhere you get your podcast, and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. In the studio with me this morning is Sister Darth she is a retired pastoral associate at mother of god catholic church we're also speaking to vivian bechtold she is co-founder of crossroads church rounding out our panel is jennifer lucas she is pastor of church of the savior now let's talk about the glass ceiling in church for women traditionally how receptive and Has your particular denomination been of women in ministry? And are women free to serve in leadership roles? What do we know about the history there? And has there been any changes over the years?
3: Well, yeah, I so I'm a part of the United Methodist denomination and um women have not always been ordained in uh in our history, but uh in the last I, I want to say it's close to 60 years now, but I but yes, women have been ordained as full elders in the church or full deacons in the church. I am an elder, an ordained elder. Um and I will say it it has yes, the ceiling has been broken as far as being able to have women in uh that clergy role uh, preaching from the pulpit uh administering the sacraments that is is huge and in my lifetime i have always seen women in that role but it has not always been that way um but even though we there's a slew of women and actually i am the senior pastor at church of the savior and then my associate is also a female um that is unusual um but there are still United Methodist churches denom- in my denomination that um, struggle with women in ministry. So there's still uh, we still have a ways to go, um, and there have been op- um, moments in my career where I've had folks that have left the church because they didn't want a female in the pulpit, or, or um, particularly when I ha- I have three children, and you know there's been some struggle sometimes when the clergy is with child. Um, So there's been that struggle that I have witnessed in my career. Um, But, you know, I'm thankful for a a place where we recognize and honor the gifts and the graces that God has given me, the call that has been placed on my heart. And I have just been faithful in following that call. And I have said, Lord, if this is not what you want of me, please slam the door and show me something else. Mm (laughs) Because... because i i can go do other things but uh just you know god has just continued to affirm over and over again i've given you the gift of preaching i've given you this gift of service i've given you this gift in, in in administration and in all these other ways that i have called you to ordain ministry and keep going and that's what i've been able to do
0: okay and vivian for you What's your experience of women um, having roles in the church, within the church?
3: So for Crossroads, because
1: we're an interdenominational Christian church, uh, when we first started, our spiritual board wrestled with the role of women. And we actually – they concluded that women could have any role in the church and so on our spiritual board which would be like an elder board we currently have five people and two of them are women three of them are our men and um and then in our leadership team we have a mix of women and men so we see women as being able to have any role it's based on your gifting and what your calling is um and but I also really respect that just as there are many different church structures that there might be um different points of view that different denominations would have and I respect that among them.
0: And I know I don't know if this is something you guys have experienced, but I know that some some women have said that you know, in ministry, you know, they go to a church, they're not allowed to preach from the pulpit. Right. Maybe they, they speak from a side yeah. stand yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Uh is that something that you guys you ladies heard or
3: Oh, it's, it's a thing that, I mean, there are, yeah, there are denominations and there are non-denominational churches that, um, you know, don't recognize or recognize women in specific roles. And I, and, and I'm thankful for all of the roles that, um, you know, women are allowed to step into, but as far as pastoral ministry, there are some that that's a challenge for women to be able to break that ceiling, but, um, you know. I I always, when someone maybe has trouble seeing me as clergy, you know, my prayer for them is that, Lord, if I'm the the one that's stopping them from receiving the gospel, please send someone else into their Mm -hmm. life where they will Mm -hmm. receive the gospel. Because again, like you said, don't put me on a pedestal. I don't want to be put, if I'm a block, you know, there is someone, you know, God has, has put in so many people into our lives as a way to open us up to what God would have to say to us. And so please, Lord, send that person to into whoever their life is and soften their heart so that they receive the gospel because that's really the ultimate goal. If I'm a roadblock, remove me and put somebody else in that place. Um, and I think that's all of our
2: prayers, I mean, I would think.
0: Okay, Sister Dorothy.
2: At this time, the Catholic Church does not have women ordained for any sacramental ministries, but there's a range of pastoral ministries that are totally open to women and that we have been doing for all the centuries we've been around. Um, With so many more women seem to be involved in church ministry than men, actually, that uh, one person has suggested they might want to flip that pyramid around so that <laughs> 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 more, more men would come to church because the women are doing the, yeah. <laughs> doing those kinds of jobs Interesting. But there's you know and there's so many more ways to pastor people and nurture people than is connected directly with the physical church buildings
1: sure. yes sure. and That's that too
2: sure. is part and parcel of what we all do yeah. Uh, as individuals and um and in when we as I'm retired from Mother of God parish I work at the monastery in many ways like that mm-hmm. that are nurturing for other people.
0: Okay. So awesome. so sometimes women you guys can be harder on each other than anyone. <laughs> so have you ever received any pushback from other women about your role in ministry? Has that has that ever occurred with you you ladies? Is that something you have experienced?
1: I, I think for me, people that would have an issue with um, women in ministry, they, they just wouldn't choose to go to Crossroads. They would go to a different church. I think in our church, the expectation, because we're a church that has a lot of people that don't come from a church background or don't have recent experiences in churches, they're much more open to that, and I and similar to you, I think that uh, if people if it's a stumbling block for them, then they would go to a different church where they were more comfortable yeah. with them.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've had I remember back in well in college or when I was discerning my call, having conversations with people, kind of arguing about women don't belong in the pulpit, and that's not read your scriptures, and and women need to be silent, and 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 kind of having that that discussion. Um, But, you know, as I've discerned and have wrestled intensely with all of the text, um, you know, I just come at a different place. And so – but in – yeah, I think to what Vivian was saying, people – if they know that I'm in the pulpit and that if that's a problem for them, they're just not going to come,
0: okay. um, you know. Okay. So, Pastor, your um, husband, he's the first husband of your church. He the is the first, first, the first husband man <laughs> of, the, of the church. He mm-hmm.
3: is. So um, let's
0: talk about um, his role, if any, within the ministry. Yeah. And and how does he feel about his role as First man. I remember when um, Kamala Harris, when her when she was, you know, like, what, was, yes, what was her husband going to yes, be called? Yes, yes so right that. The first lady, yeah, right, but right.
3: first man. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, I have an amazing husband who I cannot do what I do without him and has always been a great support. But it's been funny because I have not really served a church you uh, in recent years. I planted a church before the church that I was at, so there was not even a role for him. Like they, you know, he was just one of the guys unloading the truck. I mean, so they didn't like say you're going to be the organist if you're the spouse's husband. Um, So that has not been uh, a thing for him. Uh, But my first church uh, up in Toledo, when I was a student associate, I mean, he kind of walked alongside of me as as um, I was doing youth ministry at the time, and so he stepped in as a youth you know the youth uh, advisor role as well but um it you know people would tease him that are you going to go show up for the spouses tea or you know <laughs> when all the clergy would get together they'd have the spouses tea and stuff but uh, it you know it's been kind of fun he's been able to define his role um in a in a different way that you know, has been fun for him.
0: Okay, so. you told me something off the air. You talked about how...
3: Uh-oh, what'd uh, I say? i will get in trouble. No no. No, 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 no,
0: not in trouble, but I, you said something that... You said traditionally the hus- the spouses were the, the secretary, The, yes. And you the did, secretary, yes. The secretary or the Your organist. husband didn't sign on for he that. He did
3: not sign <laughs> on for that at all. Exactly. Yeah, they, no, they were. I mean, I, the church I grew up in, the senior pastor... Um, Joe Hefner and his wife, Janet, was the secretary, I mean, for his entire ministry, every church he went to he was the pastor and she was the secretary. Um, and I do. There are some pastors even in our denomination today where that is mm-hmm. the, the case. Yeah. The, the spouse is the secretary. Um, but yeah, no, my husband did not have to do that in any way. Uh, <laughs> and he would not want him as the secretary. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> it's bad enough getting him to text me back. So,
0: <laughs> And again, in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're talking to women in ministry. This morning in the studio with me is Vivian Bechtold. She is co-founder of Crossroads Church. We're also speaking to sister, Dorothy Shitty. She is a retired pastoral associate for Mother of God Catholic Church. We're also speaking to Pastor Jennifer Lucas with Church of the Savior. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about balancing it all um, for you women that are mothers and, and things like that and have a family. But for you in particular, Pastor um, Jennifer, you had two young children when you started um, in the church and. My address. pastor is pregnant is something that you just don't hear every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what was that like?
3: Yeah. So, um, well, the my first church, my oldest is 18. So I was a student associate when I had him. And But then when I moved down here to Cincinnati area and I planted a church, um, I had a child in July of 2006. And then I opened our doors of our new campus in 2007. Wow. And then I was pregnant during that time. Uh, with my third child while we were planting this church. So it was a different role, and it was interesting to watch – when you plant a church, they, it goes through so many different stages. Mm-hmm. There's the infancy, infancy stage where it's really cute and it's fun and, and you're just so in awe of everything that you're doing in that church that first year of the church plant. But then it gets really hard and like every day is, you know, you setting up and tearing down because we were in, in rented locations and so it's like, and people start to kind of, you know, take their toys and go into the corner and there's like little toddler fights. And so it was kind of interesting to watch as my children were growing up in this church plant, the church was kind of taking on the role of this, the stages of a child. Um, So it was kind of interesting to kind of be able to correlate those two together. Um, But yeah, being, you don't see, in some denominations, you never see a pregnant pastor in the pulpit at all.
0: (laughs) All right. So, uh, Minister um, Vivian, now you found it challenging to keep women involved in ministry throughout different life stages yes explain what that means
1: yeah so i have three kids as well they're a little older than yours so i have 26 24 and 20 and there are different phases in motherhood that take up more more time and at the time that i was mostly my kids were younger was when i was working in a corporate world but in the church that i'm in now i'm Really try to give special attention to developing women leaders because we noticed that we had some younger women that would come on staff who would get married. And then when they would have young children, most of them would leave staff Mm -hmm. because they felt very uh, like it, it was too much to be able to handle that. And then we would get women that would come back or come into ministry. Kind of after their kids were a little bit older and kind of mid career, be able to, and we thought we want to be a place where women can start and be able to stay through the different life phases. So we recognize we do some things like you know reduce work schedule or part time for for women. Um, we have different roles some roles uh, give a little bit more flexibility than other roles and so uh, women may choose to move into some of those roles during that time and then part some of it is just um, being coached and mentored in a way to think about ways to be able to have joy in the responsibilities of being a minister and being a wife and being a mom and that means um you know thinking about first things first and what are things that are most important. And oftentimes having an older mentor, someone who's been through it a step ahead of you is really helpful for those women because then they're able to think a little bit more about how do we do things in community or rely on family or friends to be able to do some of the shared responsibilities. And women have a tendency to have very high expectations of themselves and being able to tell women that, you know, Having the perfectly balanced you know gourmet meal every night <laughs> isn't you know that you freshly make isn't something that uh, is an expectation that you have to live up to unless that's something you personally want to prioritize that way. And so just telling them that that's okay, uh, I think helped them t- in many ways to, to have more women, and we see that more women staying on through the raising of young families.
0: Nice, nice. Now, Pastor Jennifer, you say that women have issues in the home that men don't <laughs> really have to deal with. Explain that.
3: Well, it was so I had mentors as I started ministry, but they were men. Um and it was interesting when I had children, you know, like I said my husband is very supportive, but he works at a hospital and so his hours are his hours and there's no really flexibility. He's seeing patients and stuff throughout the day. So, like my male mentors, when their child would mm-hmm. get sick, there they had a spouse at home that would go take them to the mm-hmm. doctors and stuff. And if they had a funeral for the day, it, you know that took up their day. Well, if I have a funeral tomorrow and my child gets sick, I have to have other mm-hmm. things planned out. I don't have that spouse at home to take care of those things. It's not that my husband couldn't, and and we have we do sometimes have to balance that. But it was just I had to figure mm-hmm. different things out, and I think working. Parents have to do those things and that was a new thing for women in ministry that my I had to kind of convince my male mentors listen you didn't have this issue at all and you got home and dinner was there on the table I come home and have to make dinner and prepare that as well as taking care of the needs of the church so it's just I had to figure out how to balance it differently um, and you know I, I have figured it out I've been doing it for 24 years now but It was very different than, you know, and I kind of had to convince them to understand it's different. It's a different role as a a woman in ministry, full time, with children and a spouse. It's just different. Um, It's not right or wrong. It's just different. So,
0: So from weddings to funerals to praying to all that you have to do, what is it that you enjoy most about? being in ministry, in your particular ministry, what you do, Sister?
2: I guess the best part of my ministry is spiritual direction. that um, I do about 20, I see about 20 people for spiritual direction about once a month. And also I am involved in uh, retreats, being a director, spiritual director on retreats. And that it's a joy to see people who are alive with God, who want a deeper relationship with God and um, and help them articulate and come deeper, to come to a, the sense of the joy, to come to um, away from a sense of judgment and negative things that sometimes get layered upon uh, what our relationship with God is all about, to know that God truly loves us. And I love that just the to um, share the gospel, share the scriptures with people, and that's a lot of what I have done in jail ministry, as to visit the people in our local jails, and um, have gotten to know people on death row and in the women's penitentiaries to walk with them and of them find more purpose in their life, which is such a, an important thing when you are incarcerated.
3: That's hard work.
2: That I mean, is. That
3: is like a yeah. beautiful so, opportunity. Wow.
0: So let me ask you this you, since you brought it up. What do you say or how do you minister to someone that's on death row? How do you what do you say? How do you minister to that person?
2: Oh, our death row in Kentucky is five and a half hours away, so personal appearance is not exactly <laughs> easy to do. I have been able to uh, take a group of sisters basically down to visit though, once a year for the past 15 or so years. Um, the fact that somebody knows who they are, many of us write to people who are on death row. There are about 34 men on death row, one woman. Most of them have been there over 20 years because of the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, We try to be advocates when it comes to mitigating death sentences and to um, hopefully abolish the whole system at some point. Um, And so when they know we're speaking up for them, that's very heartening for them. And um, that's about as much as we can do, but it's amazing how significant that is for for the people there.
1: So, Rodney, I would say, you know, I haven't worked with anyone on death row, but I've been involved with the 4-7 ministry, which is a prison ministry. And so I go – up to dayton correctional which is a women's maximum security prison in dayton um, every other monday and we actually do the crossroads service there and we'll meet with in small groups for discussions and things afterwards and because it's a maximum security prison there are women that are been there a long time 20 plus years Mm -hmm. and i will will tell you that um the light that these believers have Inside those prisons to give themselves encouragement but then to be an encouragement around them really is amazing and the stories particularly because we just started going back into prisons about uh, six weeks ago Um, during that timing there was the lockdown and they couldn't have visitors Mm -hmm. they oftentimes they couldn't move around they were in their jail blocks because their prison blocks because of COVID spread and so they said that you know they really came together their faith really strengthened. And they learned to kind of go past the things that might have bothered them on a day-to-day basis. And I think the bonds actually got stronger there because of the faith that they had and the faith that they were able to show to other people around them. So
0: Nice, nice. So what is it, um, Vivian, that brings you the most joy uh, being in ministry and doing what you do?
1: So I would say there's two things. One of them is serving the the underserved, so the, the people in prison and the people that are um, – that financially are struggling. I have done a number of what we call go trips to places like India for women that are coming out of sex trafficking or um, vulnerable children and orphans. We do the work in there, a number of places. And um, in South Africa, we work in the – Places where they have the shanties and bring, you know, school and that kind of thing. And I personally uh, feel that those people are very close to the heart of God. And so I, that brings me a lot of joy. Um, And then because of my stage in life, I get a lot of joy out of developing other leaders because i know that i won't always be around and so the best investment is investing in younger people who will then take over the leadership i want to see crossroads around for another 25 years we just celebrated our 25 year anniversary and and beyond um and so that's not about me it's about taking the things that maybe i've learned in life through my corporate work through um being a mom and raising kids and and to try to pass that along to other people so that they can lead and take things forward.
0: Okay. And for you, Pastor Lucas, what brings you the greatest joy of doing what you do in your ministry?
3: I love it when um, you're able to watch someone just become aware of who God created them to be and then to be able to live out of that giftedness and be able to, 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 take that out in service in various ways. And I love because so many times people think that if you are in ministry, it is in some kind of formal way. But it's not. And for people to be able to open themselves up and to recognize that conversation that they have with the mom who's isolated at home yes. and being able to, to pray with that mom and they see that, oh my gosh, I can do this. Or they they discover that they have a passion for the underserved and they go down and serve with one of our mission partners down in over the Rhine and they begin to, to see that they can tutor kids that are in need because they had that skill but mm-hmm. they didn't oh, wow, that's a ministry. I just love seeing people just open their eyes and be able to see that God has a calling for them and that they're able to live that out in various ways and that the gospel just is spread that way and, and more people become aware of, of um, the love that God has for them and that they're to live out of that love. It just brings me great joy.
0: And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. This morning, we're speaking to women in ministry. In the studio with me, we're joined by Pastor Jennifer Lucas. She's pastor of Church of the Savior, we're also joined by Vivian Bechtold. She is co-founder of Crossroads Church. We're also speaking to Sister Dorothy Shitty. She is a retired pastoral associate with the Mother of God Catholic Church. For more information on our guests, more information on the show, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear, Like us there. Follow us there. You can listen to the show anytime you like. Head to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine, or you can find out more on Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on air. Now, this is a show on women in ministry. Why is it so important to have women in ministry?
2: Women are are so naturally gifted for ministry as being the nurturers of the family, of the human family. Men are too in a different way, but it's almost like women were ministering before men were, and now, (laughs) uh, and now I'm going to get in
0: trouble if I.
2: We we got you covered, don't worry, sister.
0: They got you back over here. Yeah. Sure. I'm ducking under the table. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean,
3: you're right. I mean, if we didn't have women in ministry, then we would only have half of what yes. God has created. Yes. And God uh, created us male and female. And in God his created image. us in his image. Right. Exactly. And all of us, all people are needed and necessary in the kingdom work and in building the kingdom of God here on earth. And so to remove half like you said vivian half the population we are removing a piece of god and and of course god has called all of us to be um, on the front lines in some way right
0: so let's talk about scripture because i think scripture is very important i'm going to give you a topic and you tell me your favorite go-to scripture for those that may be facing this particular situation what's your favorite go-to scripture to encourage them starting with healing
1: so one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29:11 and it's for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future and I find that applies in many situations including when people are sick or needing a healing because sometimes in those situations Our plans are, wow, why would this person get sick or God? And there's a trust in that, knowing that God has plans that are for our good and for us to prosper. And they may not look exactly the way we have planned, but he knows more. But it's not only in that kind of a situation, but in many others, sometimes when people don't have a direction. That, for me, is one verse that I I come back to for myself and when I'm guiding others.
0: All right. Vivian Begto with Crossroads Church. Sister Dorothy shitty what about forgiveness? What scriptures should we go to? What's your go to for forgiveness?
2: The Our Father. I mean, most anyone who's had any touch with the Christian church knows that prayer. And we say it frequently. But it's so hard. And I find that that is what is almost a universal mm-hmm. affliction, as yeah. that we have a hard time forgiving. Jesus from the cross said, Father, forgive them
3: for they do not know. And I think that is such a witness for us as forgiven people. We are to forgive. And it is hard. It is the hardest thing to do to forgive others. But Christ was such a witness to us on that cross and forgiving those that nailed him there. And so as we uh, struggle with um, sins of our, in our own lives and then the sins that are brought into our lives by others, we are to forgive. And Jesus taught us that.
0: And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to women in ministry. We're talking to Pastor Jennifer Lucas, also speaking to Vivian Bechtold and Sister Dorothy Shitty. Sister, you say it's really important for churches to work together. Explain what that means and what do you mean by that?
2: I think basically we all come to church knowing that God has drawn us there. And so if we respect the fact that God has drawn me as an individual I need to respect the fact that Olivia and Jen have been brought there by God also, Mm -hmm. that to recognize and honor their ministry Mm -hmm. and their position in those churches. There was a time when there was a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. Sheep stealing is what it was called. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) From one denomination to the other. We need to not play the game of the empire but play the game of the kingdom we're all in God's pasture and that there's only one shepherd mm-hmm. that we all do this in different ways yes. because God has made each person unique and needs to be um, in this setting or that setting mm-hmm. and so we're able to provide that nurturing in different kinds of ways that another church is not able to so we can't say we are you're not as good as us
3: Well, and I love how you said that. I mean, even if every one of our pews, our our seats, our online, you know, even if they were full each and every week, we still are not reaching the amount of people in the city that are in need. And so to work together and you have different you talked about spiritual direction and and what you offer to people and you in your prison ministry and the various ways that you're mentoring young women and the missions and things that we do at our church. We all are, have some great strengths that are needed in kingdom building. And so, yeah, to not have this, you know, we're over here and you're over there and you're over there, but to really to collaborate and I know in, in our area we have a an ecumenical group of all the different the Catholic Church and the Presbyterian Church and the Episcopal Church and Methodist Church we all in a non denominational get together um, you know pretty frequently to kind of say how can we serve our community our right, Montgomery community right, right. and the needs that we have and I I'm certain that others do that and it's we should do more of that because yeah. uh, I think Jesus had something to say about that but
1: yeah I mean we think about the big C Church right yeah because ultimately. I think our hearts would all be that everyone would have the opportunity to know Jesus and have a relationship mm-hmm. with God. And it's not about market share between churches <laughs> because different people might have different ways that they connect with God. And so one church might help be more helpful in a certain phase of life than maybe another one. I think collectively yeah. we should be coming together as the big C church, showing the love of Christ yeah. to people who don't yet know him. And that should be the priority. Mm-hmm. over having more people at one church than another.
0: All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to find out more about Crossroads and what you guys do at your church, Church of the Savior, how can they find out more, ladies?
1: You go to crossroads.net online. You can find out more about the church, hear a weekend message, right. um, learn about some of the ministries that we do.
3: Yep. And our website, cos-umc.org is our website, and
0: all our information is there. Um, Sister, is there anything? You don't have, like, I mean. Do you have a
2: website? Yeah, right. Just (laughs) for you. Just for you. Anybody out there who wants to be a nun? (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Go to St. Wahlberg's website, which is www. St. Wahlberg.org. Uh-huh. Thank
0: you. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thank you so much, ladies, for thank taking you, time Rodney. to talk to us. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thanks, thank you. Rodney. And again, all morning long, we're celebrating women in ministry. For more information on our guests, follow us on social media, Facebook at Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Follow us there. Twitter and Instagram at Rodney Lear on air. Podcasts are available anywhere you get your podcasts. Just subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear.
1: Your story, it lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave, And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
3: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the
0: holiday season.
2: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial.